Hello, and this is our 14th episode of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a very special treat for you. We're going to have our third interview with our great friend Ben, who's going to be talking to us about football. Yeah, we are really excited to talk to him because he knows a ton about sports and he knows almost everything there is to know about football. So let's get started. Ben, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. Now, can we ask you our first question? Okay. In the AFC East, which is the division with the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins, what do you see the order of that division? Okay, well, I think the Bills are going to take the AFC East from the Patriots and finish 10-6. and six. Josh Allen is getting better each year. They have a top 5-10 to 10 ranked defense, and the addition of defensive end A.J. Epines will provide better depth on their front four, and he will likely become a starter in the coming years, and may even win the starting job over Trent Murphy this year. After the departure of LaShawn McCoy, young running back Devin Singletary has the potential to be a top 15, and maybe, maybe even a top 10 running back this year. Now second. The Jets are going to be second in the AFC East this year, not because they are necessarily a good team, but but because the Patriots and Dolphins are worse. They added some veteran quarterback depth in Joe Flacco, which may save some games, as Sam Darnold is yet to play a full season. They also added Frank Gore, who will likely be the second-string running back behind two-time All-Pro and Pro Bowler Le'Veon Bell. They have a very good set of safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and a respectable linebacker unit in C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson, Jordan Jenkins, and rookie Jabari Zuniga. I see the Jets going step nine. I think the pa- <clears throat> excuse me. I think the Patriots will finish third at six and ten for a few reasons. First of all, Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham don't have the connection and timing with wide receivers Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and starting tight end Matt Lacoste that Tom Brady did. As for their defense, we all know the Patriots' defense was phenomenal last year, but when you look at the top defenses of the last five years, they seem to regress and their team as a whole gets worse. For example, the Jaguars had the second-best defense in 2017 and made it all the way to the AFC Championship. In the 2018 season, the Jaguars finished 5-11 and last in the AFC South. Another example of a fall-off like this would be the 2017 Broncos. In 2016, they had the top-ranked defense with a, with a respectable winning record of 9-7. The next year, they finished 5-11 and, and last in the AFC West. Now the Dolphins. The Dolphins always seem to get one of the hardest schedules. I see them going 4-12 with their four wins coming from the Jaguars, Chargers, Rams, and Bengals. The Dolphins are going to have a pretty intense quarterback battle this season with Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tagovailoa, and maybe Josh Rosen rallies and gets his name in the conversation. The Dolphins are obviously rebuilding, and they acquired some really young, talented players in the draft this year. Of course, they got Tua, but some of their lesser-known rookies may have a significant impact on their team in years to come. First few players that come to mind are first-round cornerback Noah Igbenogany, second-round guard Robert Hunt, and fifth-round strong-side linebacker Curtis Weaver. The Dolphins suddenly have a very young and talented cornerback room as well. They signed 27-year-old Byron Jones to a whopping $82 million contract with $57 million guaranteed. They extended the contract of 26-year-old Xavier Howard, and as mentioned earlier, they drafted Noah Igbenogany. Well, Ben, while we're still on this topic, for the Patriots, how much worse do you think Jared Stidham will really be than Tom Brady? Because Tom Brady was starting to decline. How much of a difference do you think there is there at that quarterback spot? 
I mean, I think there's a very big difference considering Tom Brady is really experienced. He's been playing with the Patriots and in that system for a long time. And Jarrett Stidham hasn't played a snap. And if he has, very few in the NFL. So I think he's still yet to fully learn their offense. Okay. Interesting. Well, what about for the Dolphins? Do you think that they should play Tua Tangalaivoa at all this year because of injury concerns? I think they should uh, maybe. I think they should switch between Fitzpatrick and Tua and just rotate them in and out depending on you know who's on a hot streak and their opponent and stuff like that. But they should definitely be cautious of Tua's injury history. Interesting. Do you think the Patriots' defense will again post the number one defense in the league, or do you see a falling of their defense? I see a steep fall-off of their defense because, as I said earlier, uh, top-ranked defenses have fallen off the year after. Interesting. And why do you think defenses start to fall off so much? That's a good question, and uh, I'm not really, I'm not sure of the answer. Maybe players get too confident and too cocky, but um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Interesting. Now let's go to a different question. Who are some players in the NFL that you think are really underrated coming into the next season? Well, I think Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers is a very good receiver, despite being 5'11", and he still goes up and makes contested catches. Now Jesse Bates of the Cincinnati Bengals. He has good cover skills, great closing closing speed. He's a good leader, and he doesn't quit on a play. Adoree Jackson of the Tennessee Titans. He has fantastic athleticism, and when he makes interceptions and has the ball in hand, he can hurdle and juke and do all of the stuff that running backs can do. Now, Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. He's one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL who will actually run and absorb hits. This is sometimes a bad thing, as injuries and fumbles may result. However, Daniel Jones is strong enough that he can take contact from defenders and not fumble. He's a great leader, and this is just one way he shows it on the field. Now, here are some overrated players. Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers is very talented, but he cares about his stats too much. If he doesn't have an open receiver and can't rush for any yards, he will take a sack instead of throw it away because he doesn't want to hurt his completion percentage. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo of the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo re- relied heavily on the run game last year. And in the NFC Championship game, he only threw eight passes, and the 49ers still beat the pack. 37-20. A.J. Green of the Cincinnati Bengals. A.J. Green is very talented, but he's aging. He missed all of 2019 due, due, due to an ankle injury, and in 2018, he only had 654 yards. And I know that is a lot compared to other receivers. Had six 1,000-yard seasons in his new career. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, last year, the rookie class was very, very talented. Which rookies this year do you think will really have a great season and make the Pro Bowl? I think Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers will make the Pro Bowl. He is emerging as one of the star defensive ends in the NFL with nine sacks in 2018, and he can only get better. Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs may not be on the best team, but he has all the athletic tools to be a good running back now and progress into a star running back for years to come. Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel is fast, he has great contested catchability, and the 49ers will make him even more involved in the passing game after his standout rookie season. Well, I find it interesting that you say that. I agree that Debo Samuel has the stats, and 
he is a good enough player to make it, but do you think he'll get the ball enough? I mean, the 49ers are a big running team, and when they pass the ball, they enjoy passing to the number two tight end in the week and George Kittle, and they also drafted amazing wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Do you think that'll put Debo Samuel's stats down a little bit? No, I don't, because they lost Matt Breda. I think they're going to uh, lean heavier on the offense this year compared to last year. Interesting. And do you think it's interesting that two players from the 49ers you mentioned and Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel, do you think that says something about the 49ers' front office and drafting strategies? Oh, yes. I think they have great drafting strategies. They have drafted two star players who will become star- even make bigger stars in years to come. Interesting. And what can you tell us about any surprising teams that you think will really be different from last year in the NFL? Um, I think an choice would be the, the Buccaneers after they got Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. But uh, I think also the Panthers, after they got Robbie Anderson, I think they could really step up and become uh, a really good passing team after they also got Teddy Bridgewater in free agency. Interesting. And when you're talking about the Buccaneers, personally, I don't really like the Buccaneers this year because I feel like Tom Brady's problem in New England was that he did not have a good enough running game to support him. And I feel like in Tampa, his running game is worse than in New England. Yes, the receivers are better, but Brady, I don't feel like he's that amazing right now. Do you think he'll really have a great season this year in Brady? I think he'll have a great season. I don't know if it's going to be on par with some of his best season in his best seasons in his career, but I think it's going to be very good because Bruce Arians is a very smart coach. Interesting. Do you think he's one of the best coaches in the league? No, but I think he is smart enough to utilize uh, the Buccaneers' offensive talents and especially Tom Brady. Interesting. And about the draft, do you think it was smart of the Packers to take Jordan Love in the first round? Um, yes, I think it I think their strategy in the draft was to complete, was to start a rebuild after cuz uh Aaron Rodgers is aging. I think he's in his late 30s, which is when quarterbacks start to decline. So I think it was smart to take a young, talented quarterback like Jordan Love. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just one one last question. Um, for the Chiefs this year, do you think it was smart of them to take running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round, even though they already have amazing running back in Damian Williams, and they're a passing team, and their defense needs work? Well, yes, it was. I think he fits their scheme, the their air raid scheme perfectly. He's small, he's fast, he's really, he has good uh, receiving ability, and I think he'll step into that number one role uh, in this year, maybe next year too. But don't you think it was more important to build up their defense with a struggling defense? Um, I think I think building their offense, their great offense, into a just top tier, amazing offense. Because if their offense is that good, then they're they're not their defense isn't going to be on the field long enough to make that many mistakes. True, but if your offense at one at some point your offense is going to be the best in the league, which in my opinion it probably is. And also, Ben, I have a question for you. Okay, when you look at every team and you see what, why did they not win the Super Bowl? Well, not like why didn't they win the Super Bowl, but like what was their handcuff during the season? The Chiefs, yeah, they did win the Super Bowl and they did really well. But we do know that it's really hard to win the Super Bowl in back-to-back years. It's barely ever happened. So we're looking at the Chiefs. How can they get better in the draft? 
And the only reason why, in my opinion, they almost lost the Super Bowl is because their defense, why other teams get out to like 20-point leads in every single playoff game. And their offense was just too overpowered. So I just don't see how you can say that you think they still need to bolster up their offense and not their defense. Can you explain that? You, yes, Damian Williams is 28 years old, and they have a young, fast team. So I think it was smart to add even more youth and speed to that offense. Well, okay, I guess we'll have to agree on to disagree on that one. But thank you so much for doing this, Ben. We, re- we really appreciate this interview with you. Yes, thank yes. you very much. Yeah, no problem. All right, now let's get to some baseball. Ryan, the owners just proposed the players a new deal where um, they have proposed that in the next two seasons in the NL, the, the pitchers will not bat whatsoever and they will be a universal DH. Think this is a good idea? Well, personally, I think it's a great idea. I mean, there'll be so much more excitement with more home runs. They have the chance of pitchers hitting a home run to someone who all they do is just practice hitting. The DH has a lot better chance to hit a home run. Also, I feel like, but it will definitely change the strategy because some teams, pitchers, all they're trying to do is bunt. And a lot of players, like right after the pitcher or right before the pitcher, will have to do different things. In the DH, will have a different position in the National League because they're not really used to just being the DH. But it will bring up more opportunities for some people that are the number one backup. Like on the Twins, some people who we might not start, like Williamus Ostadio, who's a really good hitter. Normally, he doesn't start games. But now, I mean, we are in the American League, but if we were in the National League and we still had the same players, he'd probably be our DH, and he could get a chance to start. Like, in the National League, the Dodgers probably have some really good players. Well, like, at the Brewers, where they, I think he got traded, but a couple years ago when they had Jesus Aguilar, amazing, really big, uh, really good hitter, he couldn't really play any positions. So I think they just, like, stuck him at first or something like that. But he really struggled there. Now he can play DH, which will be because much more exciting. Yeah. Andrew, what do you think about all this? Well, I do. I think this is a really, really good idea because I feel like last year some pitchers got injured hitting. And personally, yeah, sometimes it's nice for the other team when you have a pitcher and you're like, okay, this is a guaranteed out or he's definitely going to butt. But I feel like the pitchers are going to be happy because they don't have to worry about hitting anymore. They can only worry about pitching. And some batters, they don't, not, they don't have to worry about fielding anymore. They just have to worry about batting. And also what I like about in the AL is that DHs are almost always super duper good batters. Because that's the only thing they focus on all day. They just hit BP, practice their stands, practice their hands, whatever. And I just feel like this is going to be a very good idea. Yeah. Well, recently, one of the NFL's number one safeties, who we actually talked about earlier in the episode, is requesting a trade. His name? Jamal Adams. Safety for the um, New York Jets. Andrew, Jamal has made it very clear what teams he wants to go to. Who are those teams? Well, he said he wants to go to the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, or the Dallas Cowboys. Right? Which of these teams do you think Adams really wants to go to? Well, if I was Adams, there'd be a couple of teams. Obviously, all of these teams are very good. I mean, the 49ers won their division and went to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks um, won the divisional round and barely lost in the semi in the um, semi in the um, divisional round. And then the Eagles had a pretty decent season winning their division. 
the Texans won their division, Chiefs won the Super Bowl, Ravens look to win the Super Bowl, and the Cowboys with a new coaching, with a new coach and great young talent, they can really make a good push for the Super Bowl. I think a team that should try to go after him is the Cowboys. They have a lot of talent on offense, and their offense is easily one of the best. But on their defense last year, it already was not great. And then they lost their best player on it, Byron Jones. And I feel like they have a lot of trade bait on offense, maybe trading one of their high-powered wide receivers, because I feel like their defense is really their Achilles heel. Last year, pretty much every single team they played just scored tons of points off them. The Cowboys' offense couldn't keep up. Yes, the Cowboys' offense is really good, but just one point. You cannot keep scoring. When they played the 49ers, their offense was at a standstill. And even though the 49ers' offense wasn't great, they were still running all over them. Andrew, which team do you think should go after him? Well, in my opinion, the team that I think should go after him is, I don't know, maybe a team like the Seahawks, who last year, they had a very good season, but just need that extra push to get back for, to beat the 49ers. Just need that one guy to cover Devontae Adams in the playoffs. Just need that one guy to cover Aaron Jones in the playoffs. And I just say, they have it for whatever reason. They just could not get past the, get past the Packers or get past the 49ers in the final game of the season. And I just feel like Jamal Adams could be that guy to come in and help them. The Seahawks are known for usually having a very good offensive line. And I know that the Jets do not have a very good off- offensive line. Yes, they did add very good offensive lineman Makai Becton. Um, in the draft this year, but I still think they need a lot of help to pro- to protect Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what ends up happening. Well, now today, June 19th, is the birthday of one of the best NBA players of all time. His name? Dirk Nowitzki. He is known as one of the worst shooters in all of NBA history. Fans used to come really early to his games just to watch him airball free throws. People watch him closely during practice because he misses so many times. And usually, if you were an NBA player and that was happening to you, you'd get really, really mad that fans were making so much fun of you. But Dirk is known as one of the funniest and silliest NBA players of all time. He would just laugh along right with them. He'd airball, he'd sit on the ground for 10 minutes laughing at himself. He's from Germany, and he really always likes to have fun with everyone. He's very, very tall and skinny. He's always been very silly at heart and never really liked to take things seriously. Except for his playing. He's one of the best NBA players of all time. He takes a lot of pride in his game and really works hard. He has recently retired from the Dallas Mavericks after a very long and amazing career. And he will be a Hall of Famer soon once he is eligible. Now... We're almost out of time, so I'm going to tell you kind of about our next episode. But first, you need some background information. There are many current NFL players who almost played in the MLB. Many of them you probably know. Many of them you had no idea. Some of the least common ones you probably don't know is Gordon Tate, amazing wide receiver for the New York Giants. He almost played in the MLB. And last year's almost rookie of the year, A.J. Brown, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. He almost played in the MLB. And many quarterbacks in the NFL were almost pitchers. Jameis Winston, the interception king last year, was almost a relief pitcher. Kyler Murray, who played last year for the Arizona Cardinals and won rookie, offensive rookie of the year. He almost played for the Oakland Athletics. Tom Brady almost played in the MLB as a pitcher. And most notably, 
whose father is no stranger to baseball, as many Twins fans know, Patrick Mahomes. Father, Pat Mahomes, who played for the Twins and was a great pitcher. Patrick Mahomes is an amazing story of growing up just wanting to be just like his father and be as famous or even more. And it turned out that he was even more famous than his father, but not for playing baseball. So make sure to tune in for our next podcast in two short days on June 21st, where we, are, where we will tell you the amazing story of Patrick Mahomes and discuss many NFL teams and their long-term um, strategies. And again, you're listening to Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN.